Don't touch that dial. You're tuned in to the Dread Podcast Network. Welcome to Sukadeek Vacations. How can I help you today? Are you interested in our tropical deek suking holiday? No, 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 not not today. But thank you. Um, I'm actually hoping you can help me. Um, me and my co-host, it's our it's our next episode, and we're on this like global horror series, and we're not really sure where to go next. Oh, not a problem at all, sir. Uh, love your show, by the way. Now, thank you for giving a real voice to all deek suckers. Now, as for your destination. Hmm. Hmm. Okay, how about, ah, here we go, Hawaii. Sun, beaches, fun, hot surfers. Nah, too sunny. Okay, well, how about, hmm? Uh, here's a good one, Bali. Cabins on the water, scuba diving, snorkeling, amazing food. Have you listened to the show? The ocean is literally terrifying. No thanks. Hmm, tough crowd. Okay, well, hmm. Uh, how about lovely Croatia? Seaside, sailing, seafood? Shellfish? Ugh, gag me with a spoon. Okay, how about... Hmm. A trip to a country that has been rattled by racism and colonialism and is still fighting its way decades after the fall of apartheid. South Africa! Aha! Now that sounds just terrifying enough. It's episode 93. South Africa is terrifying. I am the writing on the wall, the whisper in the classroom. I'm Marjorie Green, and I approve this message to save America, stop socialism, and stop China. Stay the pie we honor thee from life to death. Doubters, the doomsters, the gloomsters, they are going to get it wrong. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to run? Where are you going to hide? Nowhere. Because there's no one like you left. What do we want? Justice! When do we want it? Now! Let's go! What are you waiting for, huh? What are you waiting for? I want you to know that the movement we started is only just beginning. Sometimes that is better. Nelson Mandela's face is one of the most recognizable in the world. And tonight in South Africa, this symbol of racial equality died at the age of 95. From boxer to advocate, prisoner to Peace Prize winner, it seemed Mandela was always fighting for a cause greater than himself. As reactions pour in from around the globe, it's clear that his legacy as a champion of human rights, equality and freedom will be forever etched in our minds and in history. Welcome back, folks, to Friday the 13th Horror Podcast. My name is Maddie, And as always, my name is Andrew. But he is, he's right. It is always Andrew. Um, and welcome back to the 93rd episode of our show. Um, we had a great week last week. We celebrated our, our fifth anniversary, our five-year anniversary. Had some great people for a little Zoom party and some champagne. Um, really felt great. And, you know, folks, if, if you're just joining us um, for the first time, we are the podcast that talks about horror, horror in real life and in the movies from a queer perspective. Uh, when we encourage you to go back in those five years of 93 episodes um, and listen to some earlier ones, too. We're, we're really proud of, of, of where it's gone. But and, just not uh, those first six. Let's yeah, just say that. Yeah, the, well, you know, I, I, you know, it's actually, I would say listen to them, but just, you know, be forgiving when you do, right? 
Um, I'm, I'm always terrified, Andrew. I don't know about you, but like, I'm terrified that new listeners will listen to literally the first episode. Oh yeah. And I'm yeah. like, don't just don't, don't do that. Like, like don't, I've, don't do that. I've honestly thought about pulling them down so many times. Just so, like, <laughs> you know what though? It's part, it's part of our history that that's how you grow. Right now. Listen, yeah. speaking of growing, we have, uh, we are now into, is this our fourth destination? Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this is our global horror series. Um, and you know, we love doing series like this because it allows us to just do, do sort of a deep dive over a number of episodes instead of just in one. And so for the global horror, uh, series, we've been to Italy, We've been to where else have we gone, Andrew? Australia, yeah. Mexico, uh-huh. and now and <laughs> South Africa. Um, so this is going to be a lot of fun. I don't think South African horror gets a whole lot of you know airtime, if we're being honest. Yeah, and no, so- we'll get, we'll get into this when we get into the movies. But I was really happy to give these movies a watch because I don't think that I ever would have sought them out on my own. Yes. Yeah, um, and I was really happy to see that they were both like. It, I mean, we'll talk about the flaws and what we liked about the of movie course, when we get yeah. to it. But like, I was really overall like really happy that I gave these movies a chance because I don't totally think agree. I would have if we wouldn't have done this series. So it was yeah. like a blessing in disguise. And those films that we'll talk about later in the episode are The Soul Collector and Good Madam. Um, and cheers to Shudder as always for for bringing some really great horror um, to the uh, to the screen. But look, before we get to the episode, uh, we're going to go over to the Certified Terrifying Corner. And so, Andrew, I've got three items for you today in Woo-hoo! the Certified <laughs> Terrifying Corner, the old CTC. Uh, the first one is this. The war in Ukraine hit its one-year anniversary this week, and we are recording on Sunday, the 26th of February. Yeah, um, I hate that they're calling it an anniversary. I know. It, it, right. it, it makes it sound like it should be something that's celebrated, and it, it really is just... Not, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's um, it's it's a wild thing. Um, you know, f- first off, oh, the the estimates are that three hundred thousand people have died in this war. Um, refugees from the Ukraine have fled all over Europe. Um, you know, I I live in Ireland. I can tell you, we've got a lot of Ukrainian refugees over here. Um, and when you're when you're going through Dublin, it's it's not it's not hard to sort of like like pick them out because they're speaking Ukrainian, <laughs> number one. Um, and also they look quite, 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 uh, quite Ukrainian. Um, and every time I see them, I just, I feel so awful thinking about like what it must be like not, not to choose to leave your home, but to, to be truly displaced, yeah. yeah, to be truly displaced and be in a country that you, you never maybe wanted to be in in the first place, but you know, thankfully, you know, are, are taking care of you, how awful that must be. Um, and especially for kids, just how terrifying. All of this must be. I mean, what a useless war. Literally, nothing has happened in this war except for people dying. Yeah. And 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 like driving prices up on certain goods. But it's just. And that. It, it's so. We've said it many, many times on this podcast before, but it just seems so silly and so stupid. Yeah. And the cost of human life is not worth battling over land I, I yeah. whatever i don't know it's just, it's really dumb yeah <laughs> i don't know what it's, to say about it it's awful um and other news it's snowing in los angeles um good and they deserve it yeah, all right, right, talk right. about how cool california is <laughs> welcome to the midwest bitch oh I, I know i'll tell you though like i mean obviously if unless you're a complete dumbass it doesn't snow in California uh, that much. Well, you know, not when you're, you know, below uh, mountain elevation. Um, it's, it's the, from what I understand, this is the biggest storm. Like this is, how did the news put it? This is like the most intense storm that California has ever had before. And it's, it's a pretty long, st- I mean, California is a long state, but the storm itself is quite long. 
Um, and there's a fucking the, the blizzard warning. It's a blizzard warning in L.A. for God's sake. And it's yeah. still on right now. It's absolutely crazy. It's honestly kind of funny because like I know people that live in California, but then I also know people that live in like Minnesota mm-hmm. and like the difference in how they're dealing with like the snow is oh, just God, yeah. honestly so funny to me because the Minnesotans are like, all right, whatever. Easy. Like, Put you, put the t- I don't know I can't do a Minnesota accent I probably have one. Oh, looking but, good here, uh, don't you know? Oh God! Put the, put the chains on the tires and let's go. Like, that, that, that is the most New Jersey. But yeah. That is the most Boston or New Jersey yeah. Minnesota I've ever heard in my life. Um, listen, you know, look, I, I I do know that storms like this can cause a lot of damage, especially because like I mean, how many snow plows do you think L.A. has? You know what I mean? None. Yeah. So like, look, I hope everyone's staying safe, but you know, yeah, look, now you get a taste of what it's like to live in Chicago, right? Uh, and then f- finally, finally, um, very sad story. There was a shooting at Michigan State University last weekend. Was that Andrew? I believe, right? Yeah, I think it might have been at the, rec- the week at before, us recording. Perhaps. It might have been the week before. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um, this is just, of course, the latest in a string of um, of, of mass shootings in America. Um, no surprise, it just happens over and over again. Um, this guy killed four uh, four students. Uh, there were five others seriously injured, and then he also killed himself. He had no ties to the university. Um, you know, Andrew, I know that you're you're a Michigan State fan, and you're you're from not far from there. Um, I'm a Big Ten alum. You know, I th- it, it's another one that sort of hits home, doesn't it? Yeah, my I mean, my whole extended family is from Lansing. Like, yeah. that's that's where I grew up and then, you know, moved to Northern Michigan later on in life. But like, that's, that's home for me. Yeah. And that's, it was, I don't know. I, I, I mean, we've been talking about shooting since we started this podcast. That's mm-hmm. like, I always like go back to is our very first yeah. episode was about a, a shooting and it just never fucking stops. And yeah. fuck that guy for doing whatever he did for no fucking reason. Like for no reason. it's just awful and I feel bad. And I know that there's people that are still recovering. I know that, that we have one student that is actually paralyzed from the chest down now. Oh my God. It's just awful for nothing, for nothing. You know, it's, um, it's, uh, it's, it's a bit terrifying to live in the age of nothing and you know, where, where nothing matters anymore. And, um, I just, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. It's, I just it's don't know become, anymore. it's become numbing yeah. I, to, to know that you're, to know that you could be doing literally like your everyday life and just your life could be taken away for nothing and then be talked yeah. about on the news for a week and then be gone forever is just disheartening to say the least. It, it is, you know, it's, it's, it's one of the, the few things that, um, I don't miss living in America by and large. I miss my friends. I miss my family, obviously. Um, but I don't miss this. And this is one thing that thankful. I mean, look, it happens in Europe too. Don't get me fucking wrong. But in Ireland, it really doesn't. <laughs> and like, it's one thing that I am grateful for here is that I can kind of be certain that it's not. And that's the way that everyone should live. It's just, yeah. that's how it is. So I don't know. We'll leave it there. There's nothing, there's nothing more for us to say, but you're right. We have been talking about this since our very first episode when we talked about the Parkland massacre um, in episode one. So hopefully we'll never talk about it again. That's the certified terrifying corner. <laughs> now Andrew. that we're depressed. Yeah, that's, listen, that's the job. Now, listen, let's get in. Um, we're going to go 
We're going to get in. I'm trying to think of what vehicle we'd get we're in. We're going to get in our private jet, uh, yes. the uh, the Sukadik jet. The, 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 a, a, um, yes, it's it's a it's a seven it's a seven sixty nine, and yeah. um, and we're <laughs> and we're going to South Africa. Um, uh, my South African accent is awful, but I like. Oh, to try I can't it. do it. Can um, you try it? Give it a shot. No, no, no because it's for Come me. On. No, but for me, it's like um, it's a mix between like and honestly, I, th- this is not true, but this is just what it sounds to my ears like is it sounds like British and Australian mixed together with a little bit of like that African like sure. language. Like it's it's so complicated. I think it's actually one of like my favorite accents I've ever yeah. heard because oh, it's, it's so beautiful unique. Accent. Yeah. And I was like kind of taken away especially in our first movie where we have because obviously our second movie is a lot more uh spoken in the native language but sure. in our first movie the people are uh, white <laughs> so yeah, they they, right. they have that accent and i was just like wow i if i could choose an accent that would be right up there because it is it's, really cool yeah it's it's a beautiful accent the the um it's 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 also one of my favorites, and uh, the, my my key into into the dialect, at least for for Afrikaners, is um, is I say South Africa like that, and I and like mm-hmm. you put like a you put like a, a a longer A on the on the Africa, and that that just seems to work for me for some reason. Yeah, but you got to put R's after your O's, like like kind of like Australian a little bit. Come on, Andrew, give it a shot. I want. I can't do it. do it. I can't do it. At, <laughs> at some point in this episode, you're gonna do it. I'm gonna make you do it. All right, listen. <laughs> We're so weird today. This is gonna I know, be a great episode. Um, so listen, uh, South Africa is is a beautiful country, of course. It is it is also riddled with a a, a, a terrible past. Yeah, and, you know when Andrew and I were growing up, and you know maybe for some younger listeners out there, you don't remember this, but when we were growing up, apartheid was still like the law of the fucking land. And it wasn't until I forget what year it ended. Now I should probably know this, right? Um, but whenever it did end, I mean, I was I was already like nearly a teenager by then. Ninety four, it looks 94. like. Ninety four, yeah, sure. So yeah. I, I was I was twelve years old, um, and you know, thinking that like that was, I mean, it was basically just like it was slavery. <laughs> like let's just yeah. call it what it is, right? Yeah. And that that was still like the way of life for people. We know when I was alive is something terrifying to think about. And, you know, the um, the the legacy that it has left in this country, this beautiful country with with amazing people um, and, and, a, and an incredible culture um, is one that is just, you know, still ongoing with with a lot of pain. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons why, why the, the politics in South Africa are so wild. And it's largely because, look, England and the Dutch went in there and fucked it all up. Yeah. And it's still like the weird thing about South Africa to me, and you know, you kind of alluded to it a little bit, but like it happened in our lifetime. Yeah. Like the like the that that country's um evolution happened while we were alive. Like yeah. when was the last time you could think about that? Apart from a lot of the conflicts in the Middle East, like there's has I mean, and then I think guess you think about the USSR, but like when can you really think about like somewhere that wasn't already established in your lifetime that's just strange the only other thing is when when the berlin wall fell yeah yeah. that's like the only other one and like those are those are two of the end of apartheid and and then the fall of the berlin wall those are like just two incredibly historical moments that we were alive for and you know and this is not about germany of course but when i was in berlin um for christmas and i saw the berlin wall it was really really moving because i, I remember that i remember coming home from school 
that day. And watching David Hasselhoff sing on the top of it. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> but I remember watching it with my dad, you know, and uh, on the news. And I remember watching like, you know, Mandela when he was elected president. I remember watching that with my dad, too. Yeah. And like what I mean, we'll talk about this, but what a transformation for a country. Like, yeah. you know, Mandela was, was as, as of course, you know, the, the, the ultimate hero of, of South Africa and, and Nelson Mandela was, was imprisoned for God, decades, fucking decades, just for like demanding that people be treated like human beings. And when he's finally released, when apartheid is finally ended and he becomes the president of South Africa, he's the first one elected after the, all this shit goes down. He gets up and he gives a speech and he ends the speech. He speaks in Hosa, he speaks in English, and then he ends the speech talking in Afrikaans. And he ends it basically saying that was the past and now we're moving on. And he does the work of like incredible, res like, like restorative justice. And it doesn't become a country that's like, you know, torn and torn in two. And, you know, now let's, let's, put, let's put, we'll put the white Afrikaners over here now and, you know, blah, 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 whatever. He sought to like create a new country that was based on forgiveness. And there's something just incredible about that. Like how... I wish we had more leaders like Mandela. And that is not a Mandela effect that you just <laughs> spoke about. That's actually true. So, wait, wait, what now? Do you know the Mandela effect, right? I don't know. What is this? Uh, so the Mandela effect. Is, so a lot of people thought that um, it, it basically is like when you think about when you thought something was something, but it actually is different. So like the biggest thing is Mandela. Obviously, a lot of people thought that he died like years before he actually died. Like there was, oh they have like God. in their yeah, brain that sure. there was like news reports that he died. But it's the same as like Berenstein Bears is actually pronounced Berenstein Bears. And that's how it's spelled. But really? in your brain, you thought it was Berenstein Bears your entire life. Oh, my God. That's um, I've never thought about that before. Yes. Yeah. It's it's like a weird phenomenon with like remembering and like how culture really affects like how you remember things. Sure. Um, but actually like your brain tricks itself into thinking it was something else. But yeah, that's like kind of it's named after him, but wow. only because people thought he died way before that, that he actually did. Of course. Um, so look, let's let's move on to some of the things that we're going to talk about now. I know, Andrew, you've got a, some great stuff about about folklore and some yeah. stories. Over on my side, I want to start by just sort of setting the scene in South Africa. And I think it's especially important for both of the movies that we are going to be watching, that, that we're going to be talking about, that we've already watched, I should say. Um, because you have to know at least a little bit about apartheid to understand why these things are happening and why they're so important. With, without, without a knowledge of it, really, these movies don't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, and why it's actually terrifying. <laughs> exactly, right. So what I'm going to talk about first is something called the Sharpville Massacre. Okay. Um, and this is this is uh, it's a, such a sad story. Uh, but this took place in 1960, um, and police officers in it, and and also I'm taking this directly from um, the Human Rights Museum in Canada. Actually, um, they have a wonderful website. They really do. It's great. You should leave it, it to those damn Canadians right. again. So, <laughs> thank you, Canada. Or no, it's it's Canada, isn't it? <laughs> Oops. Anyways, so um, on March 21st, 1960, police officers in a black township in South Africa, the Sharpville, of course. They opened fire on a group of people that were peacefully protesting the oppressive pass laws. And I'll tell you more about that. They killed 69 people that day. Oh, my God. And the anniversary of the Sharpville massacre is remembered all over the world on, on March 21st. So I'm glad we're talking about this in March um, as the International Day for the Elimination of Racial Discrimination. So the Sharpville massacre, of course, occurred in South Africa, duh. 
And um, uh, the country denied the rights and freedoms of anyone who was not considered white under a system called apartheid. And apartheid means apartness in the Afrikaans language. Um, and the concept was endorsed, legalized, and promoted by the National Party, the Afrikaner National Party, the ANP. Um, and they were elected in South Africa in 1948 by a minority of exclusively white people. How about of that? Of course. <laughs> yeah. um, the apartheid laws placed all South Africans into one of four racial categories. First, white or European, native or black, Colored, which would mean people of mixed race, or Indian slash Asian. White people were only 15% of the South African population. Keep but that they in made mind. the rules still. Of course. They stood at the top. They had all the power. They had the wealth. They had the land. Black South Africans, 80% of the population, they were relegated to the very bottom. And apartheid laws restricted almost every aspect of black South Africans' lives. Now, some of the most racist laws were called pass laws. Uh, and these forced black South Africans to carry a pass at all times. And a little story about this. Um, I actually, I, with my doings with the Episcopal Church, I met um, I met the guy who runs the Episcopal Cathedral in in Cape Town, um, and he came and gave a talk at All Saints in Chicago, and he showed me his pass, um, wow. and I got to hold it, and it's it's absolutely wild to see it, and you know of course on his pass it's marked you know black because uh, he, he he is black. And um, it was just absolutely uh, so strange to see. So um, now, anyway, did ever yeah. did everyone have to carry these passes, or just like non-white people? Just non-white people. Yeah. Got so it. I mean, okay, I mean, white, white people were probably required, like you know, air quotes required to carry it. But who's going to check them? You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, so you know, the, these laws had existed before apartheid, but under apartheid, they became a lot worse. And the government used the past laws to control how people moved back and forth and where they could work and where they could live. So apartheid firmly rooted in South Africa's colonial history. Um, and uh, the, the National Party emerged from centuries of conflict among Dutch and British colonizers and indigenous communities. The, the ANP uh, was formed mainly of Afrikaners, uh, and those are people of Dutch, uh, of Dutch descent from, from the Dutch colonizers. Uh, and they believed that they had a God-given mission to establish a white rule in Africa. And after the NP was elected, the National Party, they passed laws to further entrench these practices of segregation and racial oppression. Now, when it comes to Sharpeville, for years, many South Africans chose to peacefully protest these, these apartheid laws, including the past laws. And in 1960, a group called the Pan-African Congress, the PAC, decided to organize a peaceful protest in the black township of Sharpeville. And the plan was for protesters to march to the local police station without their passes and ask to be arrested. So in other words, they were going to show up there and go, hey, here's, here's a fucking thousand of us. What are you going to yeah. do about it? You know, yeah. yeah and so, yeah. On, so on March 21st, thousands of them, more than a thousand, uh, they they marched to the Sharpeville police station, gathered in peaceful defiance, refusing to carry their passbooks. They they were singing and they were shouting. Um, and then military jets began to fly overhead, and without warning, the police opened fire on the unarmed crowd. Can you fucking imagine that? And there was a woman that was there. Her name was Lydia Mahabuke. And she said that while we were while we were standing there and singing, we suddenly saw the police in a row pointing their guns at us. Whilst we were still singing, without any word, without any argument, we just heard guns being fired. She tried to run, but something hit her in the back. And after having felt this, she said, I tried to look back, 
People were falling. They were scattered. There was blood streaming down my leg. I tried to hobble. I struggled to get home. In total, 69 people were killed. More than 180 people were injured, mostly shot in the back, shot in the yeah. back as yeah. they fled the violence. And a later report would state that over 700 bullets had been fired, all of them by the police. And afterwards, witnesses claimed they saw police putting guns and knives in the hands of dead victims to make it look like the protesters were armed and violent. Others oh my said, gosh. I know. Oh. Others said they saw police mocking people who they found alive. Some even claimed that the police killed the injured where they lay on the ground. Ambulances arrived and took victims to the hospital. In some cases, police followed the wounded to the hospital, arrested them, and took them to prison. In other cases, the police waited until the victims had healed somewhat, and then they arrested them. The, the international response to the massacre was swift and unanimous. Uh, many countries around the world condemned the atrocity. On, on April 1st, the UN Security Council passed a resolution condemning the killings and calling for the South African government to abandon its policy of apartheid. And then a month later, the UN General Assembly declared that apartheid was a violation of the UN Charter. And it was the first time that the UN had discussed apartheid. Six wow. years later, a direct result of the Sharpeville massacre, the UN declared March 21st to be, like I said earlier, the International Day for the Elimination of Racial Discrimination. Um, look, I could go on, but I, what I encourage you to do is to go look it up for yourself um, because it is just absolutely wild what happened there and that it took so long for real change to happen. I mean, that happened in 1960. Yeah, Apartheid yeah. didn't end until 1994. That's 34 years after 69 people were killed, it took that long for anything to really happen. So, I mean, I, I think it's important to, to know stories like this, because like I said, it, you know, the, it, it gives you the, the context that you need to understand just how, just how crazy, you know, just how crazy it is. And, um, and it, it, it gives you a lot more color um, when, you're, when you're thinking about how you watch films like The Soul Collector or like Good Madam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, I didn't know all of that history on this, so I'm, I'm thankful that you brought that forward because it's it's one of those things that like it just Africa in general and the the, the atrocities that happen there are so ignored. Yeah, and we just don't talk about it enough. Sure, and so it, it, the fact that we're even talking about South Africa and. The only, I think the only reason we chose South Africa is because it's one of the only places that, you know, that really films are accessible from. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure that there is a lot of stuff going on in Africa that we don't have any clue into. Um, yeah, I mean, even, you know, even now, it's I mean, just I mean, crazy. If, if you think about it, like, you know, we were talking about Ukraine earlier, and don't get me wrong, what's happening in the Ukraine is awful. But also, it's not anything new. <laughs> and like yeah. these things happen the, the the main reason let's face it and like i said it's awful what's happening in ukraine i don't like it i'm, I'm against it just want to point that out but like if it, largely because it's a bunch of white people <clears throat> it's a bunch of white people that's why we talk about it so much and and sorry my siri went off there but like when we you know i don't, I don't understand either siri for that matter you know, when it's black people or when it's other people of of, uh, of of other races that are that are being killed or being massacred or, you know, being oppressed or whatever, we don't talk about it so much. And that yeah. needs to be a thing that changes. Yeah. 
Well, thank you for that. You're welcome. Now that I'm officially depressed. What's uh, next? <laughs> Tell me. Do, do you want to talk a little bit about some folklore? I, I would I love was, to. Yeah. was pretty cool. Um, so South African folklore really originates from an oral historical tradition. It's okay. rooted in the region's landscape with animals and the animal kingdom Ooh. playing a dominant role. Um, some of the subjects covered include plant life taking on human form, women Ooh. being married to gods, ah. and messages being delivered by thunder. So the weather is terrifying. Uh, we have that episode <laughs> back in the day. Um, so the, fir- the the biggest one out of South Africa is the Tokoloshi. Um, Ooh, I don't know cool. if you're familiar with the Tokoloshi, but I have um, this. it is a malevolent imp-like spirit from the Xosa and Zulu culture. Um, according to belief, Tokoloshis are summoned by people which need to do harm to others. The Tokoloshi is also capable of causing illness and death to its victim. Um, I'm almost positive that there is a movie about Togoloshis. I just can't think of what it okay. is. Um, according to popular legend, people raise their beds on bricks to avoid falling prey to the diminutive Togoloshi. Uh, however, this idea is problematic because it was possibly invented by Europeans to explain why black South Africans put bricks under the legs of their beds. The real reason for the practice is nothing more than to make storage space in cramped quarters. Um, there is actually scant evidence of where or how the Togoloshi legend actually originated. Um, there are many types of Togoloshis, uh, but they are all small, hairy, long-eared, goblin-like creatures that feed off the energy of negative actions. Sounds like some of my exes, quite frankly. I know, right? <laughs> Um, they are also connected to a witch who uses them to carry out nefarious deeds. According to the legend, a final act of animating a tokoloshi is to drive a nail through its forehead. Oh my god, <laughs> Jesus! Now, so there's this, I'm I'm going to go into there's a little bit of um, child abuse that I'm about to talk about. Uh, so okay. just sure. FYI, if people need to like fast forward, but um, so in recent history, uh, has seen much of the media attention put on the tokoloshi as it is used as a scapegoat to explain misdeeds or unfortunate accidents and situations which cannot be explained. An example of this in case of the 90s, I don't know why I said 90s, the 90s, <laughs> uh, when various children examined by pediatricians were found to have needles inserted into their bodies. Uh, the children's mother all claimed, children's mothers all claimed that the Tokoloshi was to blame. However, the real co- culprits were malicious caregivers, but the mothers did not want to cause strife within their neighbors and other members of their community, but they also wanted medical attention for their children. So thus the easiest way to avoid community conflicts was to simply blame the Tokoloshi. Uh, the Tokoloshi also gets blamed for many other crimes, such as theft, rape, and murder. And the median, the media often reports the defendants as blaming the tokoloshi for their actions the tokoloshi even gets blamed for minor infractions such as oversleeping. so just imagine you call into work and you're like i can't come in today there's tokoloshi here like sorry tokoloshi was with me so i thought that one was uh pretty interesting but it's kind of like i mean we've talked about kind of like boogeyman before but it kind of sounds like the tokoloshi is like the boogeyman of south africa Another one that I found was the Adamast. And I should say that all of these came from a website called thecollector.com. Cool. Um, the Adamaster. So at the southern western tip of South Africa, obviously, is the Cape of Good Hope. Um, but before it was known by this name, it was known by a more ominous one, the Cape of Storms. 
It was a well-deserved name as the promontory is often surrounded by heavy winds and stormy seas, which have dashed many ships against the rocks. We'll talk about one of those ships in, in just a little bit here. Okay. Um, the creation of the Portuguese poet Luis de Camoes, I'm sure I'm not saying that right, um, but has, it often went by Adamaster, takes his name from the Greek Adamastus, meaning untamable. Adamaster was created on the poem, uh, which was first printed in 1572. The poem tells the story of Vasco da Gama's uh, travel through the treacherous waters of the Cape of Storms when he meets Adamaster. He takes the form of a massive giant who appears out of the air to challenge da Gama, who would, also, who would attempt to pass through the Cape and enter Adamaster. Master's domain in the Indian Ocean. In the story, Adam Master is impressed by Dagama's courage in facing the storms and is sent to defeat him and calms the seas to let him pass and his crew pass. Uh, the South African myth kind of lives on through modern literature and from both South African and Portuguese authors. So I think we all had to go through that part of our, uh, I don't know if you learned a lot about this, but we had to learn all about Dagama and all those. We did all those guys got a long time ago. Yeah. Um, and then finally the last one I fall, I saw, which I, I knew this, I knew this title. I knew the title, the flying Dutchman. I don't think I knew this was what it was. Tell me. Um, so it's widely known in Western folklore as the South African legend of the flying Dutchman. It's a ghostly ship that is said to sail the waters around the Cape of Good Hope, forever attempting to make port. Seeing the ship is supposed to be a portent of doom, and oh, hailing the ship will result in the Flying Dutchman attempting to send messages to the land. Oh, dear. Those who attempt to fulfill the Flying Dutchman's wishes will soon meet with a terrible end. Um, the myth of the Flying Dutchman is likely to have originated around the 17th century and uh, from the Dutch, and it was at the height of its power and traversing the waters of South African regularly. Cape Town was founded as a refreshment station in 1652. I don't know why they included that as part of the story, but um, uh, so I actually saw there are actual pictures of the Flying Dutchman. Um, if you really? kind of like Google it, it's really eerie because it in all of the pictures, it rests just above the water. Like, it's not touching the water. Oh, no. And it is so spooky. So, if Ghost you want to see something spooky, we'll look up the Flying Dutchman. Because that shit creeped me out. Um, have you, you've heard of that, though, before, right? Yeah, uh, for that, sure. That, that term, the Flying Dutchman. Did you Absolutely. know it was a ship? Um, I don't think so. I don't know where I know that from. Was it? it it's, I feel like I, was it like you, a you show it, called um, The Flying Dutchman or something. Well, isn't it from Peanuts? Like, didn't didn't they call when Snoopy gets on his like flying gear? It doesn't. Don't they call him the Flying Dutchman in that? Or, or am I? I don't know. Crazy? I think that they do. Someone out there is listening right now, going, "You're both stupid assholes." <laughs> um, and look, you're probably right. Um, but what I but what I can tell you is that that's what I think it is. I I don't know. Yeah, I just I thought that this was really interesting because a lot of these I had never heard of. I like I said, I feel like there is something out there about the Tokoloshi, but um, it was just interesting to know the kind of like, and that's why we're kind of like learning on this journey as we like go to different countries and, and different areas of the world is that there's different folklore, but it all kind of it all kind of goes back to like human fear and like um, how to explain like being afraid of something because like we don't know where fear comes from. It's not something that we're taught. It's just, 
ingrained in us. And sometimes I feel as humans, we need to explain it in some way. So whether sure. it's La Llorona or Togarashi or Togoloshi, it's just, it's one of those things that's fascinating to me that totally. humans make up to explain why they're scared. Uh-huh. I don't know. It's just very interesting. Well, Andrew, this was a lovely trip to South Africa. Yeah, I want to go for real now, though. Oh, like, honestly, I, I I truly would love to go to South Africa. I think it would be just a blast, um, and and beautiful, and absolutely beautiful. I I, I would want to do it the right way. Um, you know, I don't want to go there and be a big old tourist. So maybe yeah. one day, maybe one day I'll, I'll make it. I'll make it happen. All right. Well, I think that will do it for our horror in real life. We will take our short break and be right back with what you've been watching, bitch. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. And it's time for what you've been watching, bitch. What you been watching, you global traveler bitch? That's a good one. There you go. Um, Folks, this is the segment of the show where Andrew and I discuss what we have been watching, bitch. And we're going to talk about what we've been watching right now, bitch. So, Andrew, you bitch, what have you been watching? I love that we've I love that we've normalized bitch. It makes me really happy. Amen. Normalize the but, fucker. Um, um, so my first one is on Netflix. It is You season four, part one. I'm not a fan of how Netflix is doing this now, but uh, listen, I'll deal with it. Um, so they released like the first, I think, six episodes of okay. You season four, um, and I was a little apprehensive going into this season because I felt like you know Joe, how often, like how much murder can you get away with, and like still <laughs> like be right sure essentially but um i thought it was really smart that they took him out of the u.s and like kind of like put him in london and now he's got like he's surrounded by like these elite people and it did refresh the show for me so i'm really happy and i I feel like we're getting like a new version of the show which is really refreshing i don't know how much further it can really go after this um but i'm eager to see part two and so if, if you're you're apprehensive going into the new season of you because you season three really did end with kind of like an exclamation point. Um, I will say give season four a chance because I do think they're doing something a little bit different. And I just think that that show is, it's really well written and the way that they do his internal monologue, um, is just really interesting for, for a show. So give you season four, part one, a chance, Maddie, what have you been watching? I have been watching a movie called breakfast (laughs) on Pluto. Um, I had not heard of this before and yeah, I don't know what this is. Yeah. I, I, I actually, I watched this on a date. Um, and, uh, he picked the movie and he said, how about breakfast on Pluto? I've heard about it. It's supposed to be really good. And so I, I've never heard of it before, but it has Killian Murphy in it. And so I instantly say, yes, you're um, sold. <laughs> right. Uh, breakfast on Pluto is from 2005. It was directed by Neil Jordan. Um, Neil Jordan sounds familiar to you. Because I know his name. Yeah. Yeah. He's the guy who directed the crying game among other really important. Oh my God. What yeah, a, I know. What a devastating movie. <laughs> I know for real, but he's a great director. This is a, um, this is some movie. If number one, it's, it has a fantastic cast. Um, Killian Murphy, Liam Neeson, Ruth Nega, Stephen Ray, Brendan Gleeson, Connor McAvoy, uh, Brian, Brian fucking Ferry is in this. Um, I mean, like there's there's an amazing cast here. It's actually funny on on Letterboxd. Um, one of the reviews that is the most liked on this is 
um, from somebody named Kim. And she says, I'm convinced Ireland has only seven actors. And they toss a coin <laughs> to see who's the lead and who's going to be supporting, uh, which is pretty it's really true, funny. actually. <laughs> it's it's pretty true. Um, but this is this is a great movie. In it, um, Killian Murphy plays a character named Patrick Kitten Braden. Um, Kitten is is um, their their trans name. And uh, uh, Kitten grows up in 70s Ireland. It's sort of like an, it, not quite rural Ireland, but um, not quite urban either. And um, is transgender. And it's about his, his it's about their story of, of coming in the out 70s, you said in the 70s. Yeah. Huh. And like finding their way through and they go to London and the troubles are happening and this is happening. Oh, I, it takes place in Cabin. That, that's what it Cabin in Ireland, which is not too far from the border. It's kind of like right in between. Um, and so it's, it's taking place among like, you know, the troubles in the north, bombings in London. And then, you know, just shit happening back in, in, in the Republic as well. And then just life. <laughs> and life in general. And it's it's a really beautiful movie. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was really fantastic. The music is great. Um, it's a really fun movie, too. Like, the way that Neil Jordan directs it is really playful. And, like, there's, like, animals that talk to you. And, like, there's a little bit of animation and a little bit of this. And so it's a lot of fun to watch that I think it helps you understand um, in, in like the, in the course of a really difficult and like troubling story in a lot of ways, like a way through it. And like, that is, I gotta tell you, that's Ireland in general, man. And that, that's something that I think he really caught is like, you know, look, life is hard and, and it's been really hard here for, for a long time, but people always find a way through. Um, and it doesn't matter if you're trans, if you're gay, if you're straight, whatever. And that's kind of what the movie's about in a lot of ways. It's a really beautiful one. I think everyone should watch it. So it's Breakfast on Pluto. Cool. I'll have to get that one out. I, I never even heard of it before. So mm-hmm. glad you brought it to what you've been watching. Um, my next one is Poker Face. This is the Natasha Leone show on okay. Peacock. Um, there is an overarching story about a, a Vegas cocktail waitress, and that's Natasha Leone, and she is involved in some like, um, you know, you know how club owners are. Like, there's always something going on behind of the course. scenes. And yeah, she gets caught up in it. I don't want to give too much away because it's 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 part of the show. But um, and she's on the run, and but she also has this uncanny ability to tell when people are lying. Like, she just knows how to. I, I, I listen it's not explained in the show she yeah, just sure. has the ability to tell when people are lying and it's kind of like following her like on this journey of like trying to get away from whatever she's running away from but then also running into like these characters along the way like one of the episodes is like she becomes a, a, a roadie for her band and like you know it's like that kind oh, of a wow. thing yeah um but the cool thing about this show is like the first half of the show is uh is basically just telling the story without Natasha Leone really involved at all. And then you kind of see the story again and you kind of see where she fits into the story. Um, so I thought that it's a really cool storytelling device that they're using because you don't really know. There's always a murder. There's always a murder. There's always try, like trying to figure out who did it and why. But like the way they tell the story is really interesting because you get to see the whole thing without her involvement. And then you kind of see it again with like her inserted into the story and she's been there the whole time, but you haven't seen her. And so I think it's a really smart show. And honestly, 
I do think Peacock is emerging as maybe one of my favorite streaming services. It seems um, like it. Yeah. I think that they're just like coming out with some really interesting stuff. And and of course, it's Natasha Leone and she has her own charm. You either get it or you don't. Yeah, sure. Um, and I think that this is a, a, a well-earned show that people should be checking out. So that's Poker Face on Peacock. My next film is called La Grande Bellezza, which is the great beauty of Italiano. And it is from 2013. Um, it won the Oscar that year for Best Foreign Film. Um, and The Great Beauty is about uh, a writer named Jeb Gambardella. And um, it's his 65th birthday. And like this dude has basically like lived in Rome his whole life and just has always like partied and lived it up and nightclubs and women and this and that and whatever, you know, all the things that you would think of. And um, it's him sort of leaving it all behind and, and looking at his life. Um, it's a long movie. It's not super easy to explain if I'm being honest with you, because it's just sort of like one of His those, life. Yeah. one of those like interesting Italian films that are just sort of go all over the place. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, you either like that kind of movie or you don't. And, sure, um, sure, sure. you know, you, you, you either like Fellini or you don't, you know what I mean? And like, I happen to like Fellini. Um, and I also happen to love Rome as Andrew knows. And so, you know, if, if you, if I would say this, if you like Rome, you should watch this movie because you're going to see a lot of it <laughs> and, and it's, and it's beautiful. Like the filming is absolutely breathtakingly gorgeous. Um, and, uh, it's, it's a film about a lot of shit, man. You know, I, I think it's people either love this movie or they hate it. I'm actually sort of right in, right in the middle. Um, you know, I, like I you do understand the faults, but like you yeah, still like it. Yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. And like, I, I think it's a good movie, but you know, like I said, it's, it's also fucking long and listen, there are parts of it that are kind of boring. Um, yeah. but it is, it is really beautiful. And, and there's something about that. And the, the title tells you all you need to know. It's the great beauty. Um, and, uh, it's, it's good. I, I, I don't know, maybe watch it if that sounds interesting to you, but if, if it doesn't, then don't, you know? Yeah. yeah. So that's La Grande Bellezza. You can watch it on Mubi, um, which I just subscribed to, by the way, uh, it's M U B I. That's a really great little streaming service. Let me tell you, it is fucking <laughs> cool. Um, and then it's also on Criterion and Criterion and Mubi are kind of, uh, intertwined they're very very similar streaming services um like a lot of the stuff that you get on one you can find on the other the cool thing i'm sorry to go off on a little tangent here about movie but the cool thing about movie is that it it curates really really well and they've got all these like different like threads you can kind of go on with films um and criterion also does that but not as well if i'm being honest they, they need to up their game now that movie is on is on the block um so yeah i watch it on movie and that's something that you might want to consider um subscribing to cool is it also on criterion or is that not crossover it, it is it is also on criterion and in fact it might even be on netflix right now too to be honest i think okay P possibly my next one is i'm not gonna spend too much time because we talked about it on another episode but it's Fair just enough. really interesting that this came to be just before we recorded is that megan is out uh on streaming services <sighs> on peacock but get this it's the unrated cut okay so did you watch it I did. Okay, and, tell me. Um, I'll tell you the. There's not a ton of differences. If I'm being told, there's no differences in the story. Let me just okay. say that the biggest differences is that they swear a lot more. There's a lot more shit. There's a lot more fuck, like that kind of okay. a thing. Sure. And there's more blood, like the the scene where. And I'm I, sorry, I'm giving a little bit of a minor spoiler, but you're fine. Uh, uh, the scene where the boss gets killed in the elevator is much gorier than. 
okay. what originally was in the cut that we saw in the theater. So if you liked Megan, like we both really did, I thought it was a fun way to rewatch a movie that we get just like subtle differences. But I do think it's a better cut because that was like, I think we talked about it when we talked about Megan is that we did feel like it was a little bit toned down for what we were getting from a killer robot movie. Um, and I thought that this was like the proper cut for it, if I'm being honest. And I know why they did what they did so they could make more money off of PG-13 sure. and get more people and butts and seats and blah, 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 blah. But I thought it was fun that they did the unrated cut on Peacock. So once again, another endorsement for Peacock. And no, we're not sponsored by them. <laughs> I love that. Um, I, you, I, I literally, while you were talking, just bought Megan on Apple because I forgot to do it. And you reminded me. Awesome. Um, I love Megan so much. And also, show me the lie. What what did she do wrong? What did she do wrong? I cannot wait for Megan 2.0. Yeah, she <laughs> did nothing wrong. That I'm, I'm gonna I'm a Megan stan. Did you um, okay? So something I caught this time around, just okay. really, really quick. Yeah, go ahead. Did you so at the very end when Allison uh Williams comes home or she's at home and Megan gets like breaks in and takes that car and gets to their yeah. house and she's playing the piano. Did you realize what song she was playing on the piano? I think I did when I saw it, but I can't remember. I can't remember it now. What, what was it? It's toy soldiers, which Shut is hilarious. Up. Oh my God. See, that's why the movie is so brilliant because they just fucking are uh, on top of everything on top of everything. Now, um, a movie that also has everything is Everything, everywhere, all at once, which I finally watched. Oh, this um, movie is a lot. <laughs> oh, so um, I did not see it in the theater, um, and I I really wish that I had. I'm 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 disappointed that I did not. Um, I saw it. I saw it at home in my obviously. I was going to say I saw it at home in my house. Duh, that's redundant. <laughs> I, I saw it at home. Watch. I watched it by myself, and um, I think the reason why that was not a good viewing experience for me is that I'm very easily distracted when I'm at home. Yeah, And I, I watched it during, I've been saying this a lot, eventually I will stop saying it, but I watched it during a week where work was really, really crazy. And at night, you know, I, I get done with work and like, I pretend that I'm not working, but guess what? I'm working. And so like, you know, I, I'm watching TV or whatever, but I have my laptop out and I did that with this and I shouldn't have done that. And that's my own fault. I get that. Um, so I guess I'm just saying that to say like, if you haven't seen this yet, go see it in the theater because just there's a whole lot of fucking shit to watch in this. And it's easy to get distracted. It's a <laughs> lot. It. The, the movie's a lot. A lot. Like yeah. I, I watched it maybe like a month ago, and I didn't even honestly know what to think of it upon first watch. Like I feel like I need to watch it again because I was just like, "What is happening?" It, 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 it plays out like a dream almost. Like yeah. you're, you're not really like sure like exactly what's happening, and then you're and at very, the end, and you're like, and it what? very well, it very well could be a dream, quite frankly. Right. I, 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 I look. I, I enjoyed the movie. I, I, you know, Michelle Yeoh, Kiai Kwan, Stephanie Su, James Hong, Jamie Lee Curtis. They're all fucking fantastic. They really, really are. Um, I, I, I am. Uh, 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 people that watch this before. Everyone that I know that has watched it has been like, it's fucking mind-blowing. Ah, it's the best thing I've ever seen. It wasn't that for me. Um, but it's okay if it is for you. Do you know? Like, yeah, no. I, I, I still I still enjoyed it. I liked it. And there there were some really great moments in this movie. I think for me, though, it's it's too much of everything. Because after yeah. after a while, it's like I get lost. Like I, I truly got lost in like, yeah, wait a minute. Same. What is actually going on right now? 
And like, like what I is get this it. movie actually about? Like, <laughs> yeah, and like I get that. Like, there's like you know, it, like like you said, it could be a dream. And like, look, the movie calls itself everything, everywhere, all at once. And so you you kind of have to be ready for that. It's it's a bit of caveat emptor, isn't it? But it's an like, onslaught for the mind. <laughs> but it is, but it is an awful lot. And and you know, I I think that the end redeems it. Right. Like by, by far, I, you know, look, it's it's a story about a family, a, a very American family, um, you know, transforming in, in ways that they never thought that they, that they that they would. And there's something beautiful about that. It truly like it's it's a gorgeous story. I just think that a lot of the the the, the for lack of a better word, the crazy stuff. Sometimes it was just way too much and way and yeah. way too long, if I'm being honest. But all that being said, I still enjoyed it. I don't know if I'll watch it again, um, but I do wish that I, I had seen it in the theater. That was a mistake on my part. Yeah, I I kind of in the same boat as you when it comes to this movie. Like, I understand why people loved it and I understand like why it's getting the accolades that it is. But like, I don't think it was necessarily geared for me just because yeah, it was like sure. too... <sighs> I get lost in the narrative sometimes. Like I, I just get like literally like lost and I'm like, wait, what is going on? Like what's, and we'll talk about this when we talk about soul collector, <laughs> when I'm sure. like, what is happening? Um, but uh, yeah, I felt very similar to you as I was like, wow, I, I really liked watching that. I don't know if I'll watch it again, but sure. yeah, whatever. All right. Well, we're, I'm going to transition really quick and I'm going to talk about the show and I'm sorry for everyone. Oh, God. Um, but I watch a lot of, trash television and i'm gonna just continue to because you know what i like it uh and (laughs) summer house is back baby summer house is all about a group of new yorkers who have a house in the hamptons uh during the summer that they go to every weekend which i cannot imagine driving three hours in the hamptons every single weekend but that's your life (laughs) and you do it um I hate car trips. Um, but um, uh, this year is different. We've only had two episodes so far, but I, I, I mentioned this on our live show, but like, it just feels like these people don't like each other anymore. And um, <laughs> what started as like a friend group is now feeling very fractured. And I'm still liking watching the show. And they did bring some new people in that are bringing like new life into the show, like Sam and Gabby and, and some of these new people. But just like the the OG people that I was watching on the show, it just feels like they don't like each other anymore. Oh, and no. it's going to cause for great drama. Don't get me wrong. Um, and huge shout out to Paige DeSorbo. Uh, she has a podcast called Giggly Squad. You should listen to that. Um, she's my favorite on the show. Once she's off the show, I'm not going to watch it anymore. Sure. But- um, <laughs> Summer House on Bravo. It's a trip. It's, you know, you know what you're getting into. Listen, uh, huh. Bravo watchers. If you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, Maddie, what's your final what you've been watching? My final one, Andrew, is Poldark. You now, mentioned listen. this too last Saturday. <laughs> did I? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. On Saturday, I did. That's right. <laughs> um, at our fifth anniversary Zoom thing. Uh, look, Poldark. Um, let's talk about it. Poldark is the story of Captain Ross Poldark, who is from Cornwall um, in, in England, and or actually it's, it's in Cornwall, I should say. Um, and he comes back from the, uh, the Revolutionary War in America, which obviously the English did not win. Hello. Um, and he comes back to Cornwall to like start his life up again. And it just is the most dramatic and crazy <laughs> life ever. It's, it's it's basically just a soap opera taking place in like the the 18th and 19th century. Um, it's wonderful. Aiden Turner plays Poldark, who is just fantastic. 
Um, and you just a whole other cast of characters. That's like masterpiece theater kind of shit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And let me tell you, I am in love with fucking the guy who plays Drake Karn in this in this fucking show. I need he's to Google this. Uh-huh. He's played by Harry Richardson, who's fucking he's he's an Aussie. He was also in the Gilded Age, the the new um Julian Fellows show that that just happened um last year, whenever that was. Let me tell you what, fucking Harry Richardson is good looking, and I'm going to marry him one day. Do you understand? Um, Drake Karn is the only person that has my heart. That's it. Okay, I'm looking Paul's at his Archer picture right now. Yeah, look at him. Do you like him? He's definitely your type. Exactly. Right. And um, and I mean to make that type my man. So Harry Richardson, you are my mission from this point forward. Are you gonna Anyways, make him, look, are you gonna make him cut his hair? Because he's no, got kind of poofy hair. No, let him have poofy hair. All right. Um, okay, okay. Listen, pole dark though, and I'm not even done with it yet. There's five seasons that you can watch on fucking Netflix. Jesus. And the, and <laughs> these episodes are long as fuck, and there's a ton of them. And I am finally nearing the end. And I'm so excited because I have given so much of my life and my heart to the show. I'm actually I'm probably gonna faint when I watch the final episode. <laughs> it's possible. Is it over? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's been over for a while. Oh. <laughs> Although there, there is a campaign on Twitter to bring back Pole Dark. And let me tell you, people are serious about it. All right. Well, that's what you've been watching, bitch. Maddie brought us Breakfast on Pluto, which you can currently rent. Uh, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, which is now on Amazon Prime. Pole Dark, which is a show, apparently. <laughs> on, on, on Netflix, you can watch it. And La Grande Belleza, which I think you said was in theaters. Oh, no, you said 2013. So, yeah, you, you know, you, look you, it up. You can watch that on Mubi or on Criterion. And Andrew brought us You, Season 4, Part 1 on Netflix, Poker Face on Peacock, Megan, Unrated on Peacock, and Summer House on Bravo. Now, folks, stay with us. We'll be right back with our first film of the episode, which is The Soul Collector. Well, here we are. This is my granddad's farm I keep telling you about. What do you think? I love it. Are you lost, little miss? William? Hey, who are you? My name is Lazarus. I used to work for your father. Letting him stay in the shed. There's something about him I don't trust. Do you have any uh, wife, family, kids? I had a wife and a little girl, both dead. There was a fire. I couldn't save my little girl. There's something in the yard, something strange. What were you doing on our farm spying on us? You better go now. Some people collect yadros. Some people collect books. This person collects souls. Andrew, tell us about the soul collector. Fear the legend. 
An old man fated to collect souls for eternity seeks atonement after trading his daughter's soul. Directed by Harold Holcher, written by Harold Holcher and Johannes Ferdinand Van Zyl. Production company was handled by Man Makes a Picture Productions and distribution was handled by Scream Factory. Thank you, Scream Factory. Uh, Lazarus is played by Shimano Sebi. Sarah is played by Inga Beckman. Mary is played by Kate Luna. William is played by Garth Batenbach. Obara is played by Karis April, and Suno is played by Luxolo Nabebedi. It is not rated. Uh, it came out on June twelfth of twenty twenty. To I don't know how they released this because I'd never heard of it. But um, yeah. um, it comes in at a hundred minutes. It's obviously out of South Africa, and the, the budget and locations were not listed. We'll talk about the weird location thing at the beginning of this movie. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that uh, I have something to say, but um, Maddie. What did you think upon? Because obviously this is first watch for both of yeah, us. Yeah, it okay. is. Um, what did you think of the Soul Collector? Oh, I, I think it's I think it's a great film. Um, I think that uh, it is uh, number one. It's it's Harold Holscher's um, first first movie, which I think is admirable. I mean, this is for a it looks, first. It looks great. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah! For a first feature film, this is some really good shit. I think it's beautifully filmed. I think it's a it's a it's a really haunting story, um, and I think that um, it's it's at turns it, it it can be a little scary too. I don't I don't think it's overly scary, but you know, look, we're not that's that's not usually what we talk about on the show. That witch is pretty scary. I'm the, not witch, the witch is definitely scary though, um, and and some of the voice work was really scary too. When they when they do like creepy ass voices like that, that shit sticks with you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think it's, I think it's, it's really, really good. And, um, it deals with, uh, it deals with race. It deals with apartheid. It deals with family. It deals with, uh, with, with, uh, being a parent. Very um, confusing family. I have to oh, yeah, yeah. say. And it, it deals with grief. I mean, it de- this film deals with so many things and it does it so well, I think. Um, you know, it's, I think it's unfortunate that, you know, it's, um, it's, it's obviously hasn't really been noticed. I mean, like, like you said, we didn't, we haven't heard about this at all. Um, and to be honest, I only heard about this because when we, when we were looking up movies for this episode, I looked up South African horror films on Google, like duh. And that's how I found it. So, um, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that, um, you know, even with even like a little podcast like us, that more people will watch it. Yeah, um, and and watch more horror from South Africa because Good Madam is also good, which we'll talk about next. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, look, I I really enjoyed watching this. I was I was very thankful for it. I watched this on Amazon. I'm not sure how you watched it. Um, go ahead. Yeah, we re- I think we rented this one. If okay, I'm, gotcha. I'm trying to think back, but uh, it's pretty e- it's pretty easily accessible if you just like yeah. look it up. I mean, I think we rented it for like four dollars, like yeah, e- sure. like everything else. Yeah, yeah. But 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 look on Amazon too because it might be there for you depending on where you are. Um, and and it's one that I might even watch again. So to you know, I watched it for the show, of course. Um, and I, I like to watch it again without having to like worry about taking notes on it or anything. I feel um, like I might need to because I have some yeah. questions, and we'll get into it when we talk further about the movie. Well, what did what did you? think of it um so yeah like like i said this was a first time watch for me um so just to give like a little peek behind the curtain maddie picked both of these movies for us today because i literally didn't know anything about south africa and and it it felt really daunting to like figure out like oh is this actually from south africa or does it just take place in south africa like you know what i mean like it's we're really trying to with the series really come from movies that are actually from the country right sure not just about the country yeah um and so like i had never heard of this i saw that it had a very limited release in 2020 in june when we are all fucking in our houses so there's no there's 
it, it, there's no uh, surprise that not a lot of people have sure. been seeing this movie or talking about it. But yeah, I mean, overall, I, I mean, I'll have some critiques when we get into it. But overall, I really, really liked this movie. Um, it talked about new um kind of like folklore and kind of like new things that i had never really heard of um so i thought that that was interesting and it gave me just some, some like new some new horror to chew on if you will sure. because it felt it felt really fresh um and it felt really like uh new to me like i had never seen a movie kind of like like this if i'm being honest um and yeah, overall, I really liked it. Um, I do have some stuff that we'll get into. But yeah, I mean, at, at, upon just like watching the movie for enjoyment, I thought it was really good. Yeah, I, I think, uh, but we should also say, by the way, that the movie is also known as Eight, just the number yeah. eight in, in, in some countries. I think it's called Eight, a South African horror story. Yeah. And and yeah. on on Shudder, which is how I watched it. I, I didn't watch this on Amazon. I watched this on Shudder. What am I talking about? Right. Didn't no, I? we watched Good Madam on Shutter. I watched Good Madam on Shutter. That's right. Thank you. This this used to be on Shutter, though, from what I understand. Oh, um, got it. And it, it it is called The Soul Collector on Shutter. I think on Amazon, this one was was called both Eight and The Soul Collector. But you know, whatever. I I do think that one one area where the film suffers is this. It is writing. And um, there are the the opening parts with the the White family, which is uh, who are they? It's Sarah, Mary, and William, right? So it's yeah, Mika Beckman, yeah. Kelta, and and uh, Garth Batenbach. Also, Garth Batenbach. That is like the most South African name you could possibly have. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, their writing is very stilted to me. I don't I don't know how you felt about it. And it's it's oh never... you mean when he literally says clever girl in the car and I'm yeah. like where are the Raptors where are the Raptors yeah. Jurassic and, Park it's not even just that it's like the the way that they speak to each other and like look maybe I I, I will grant this maybe that was deliberate like maybe they wanted it to feel that way but I kind of think that, that is not the case um, the the way that he speaks to um, to Mary in the car though and he when he like she's looking out at the mountains. And she's like, oh, the mountains are beautiful today or whatever. And he he's talks like, about the snake. And you know, the mountains like, are actually supposed fuck? to be a snake. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Da, 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 da. That's the legend. And I'm like, come on. It's like a little that, forced. Yeah. It, felt, it felt so forced. And, and that was one that I was just like, that's just not working for me, dog. You know what I mean? That's going to be a no for me. And yeah. I'm glad, though, what I'm glad about is that that wasn't the rest of the movie. And yeah. I, I was worried that I was like, oh, God, this is going to be a slog, isn't it? And it turned out not to be. You know, once the once the 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 plot starts to really pick up, a lot of that writing doesn't really even matter anymore. And and it and it does start to um, you know really increase um, in terms of, of of drama, which is what it's, what stories fucking do, right? And you know the 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 crux of the story is Lazarus, who was a who is a father, um, whose whose daughter is killed, and he makes a bargain. Um, with this fucking witch um, that, you know, she'll bring her back if he goes out and collects fucking souls to feed the fucking thing, right? Sort of. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Um, but that's that's basically what it is. And, yeah. um, you know, at, at the heart of that, you know, this is what I love about horror movies, right? Like the way I think about The Exorcist, it's not a story about someone who's possessed. It's a story about a mother and a daughter, right? And it's kind of the same thing here. It's not a story about fucking like a guy who steals souls. It's a story about a a, a, a father and a daughter, Right. And, and I think that, that that's a story worth telling um, because, uh, you know, I, I think that that helps to that helps to bring the culture of, of where this film takes place forward in a, in a very different way. You know, it becomes about family 
And yeah. I think there's something really special about that. I mean, he says right in the movie, he says, uh, you know, the villagers are calling him a demon. And he said, yeah. I am no demon. I am a ghost of a father. I think that that kind of like sums yeah. it up. But I mean, what um, a line, for God's sake. I also another one that I really liked that I wrote down is um, in his suffering, he let in the devil like, yeah, that. there's just like there's a there's a lot in here that that's really to like um, some notes that I took um, when I when when he first set down that bag at the very beginning, when um, that old guy wets the bed and, and dies, yeah. essentially, yeah, <laughs> sure. either so scared or that's what happens when you die. I don't know. Um, uh, but that bag, the bag that he carries around that you find out later has like the witch slash his daughter slash demon slash whatever it is. Um, it really reminded me of the sorting hat from, from the Harry Potter. You know what? Like, now, now that you say it, you are absolutely right. My God. Like the way it moved. I thought it was going to start talking. I did not even think about that. That is, that's hilarious. Um, we also have a very uh, Swan Lake plays throughout the entire movie. Yes. That's kind of the, the score of the movie. And at first, when it first came on, I was like, wait, is this the same music as Candyman? Because it kind of had like uh, the way that they, whatever instrument they were using yeah. to play it was like do, the do, same do, do, instrument. Do, yeah. Do, and do. it just reminded me of Candyman. And like, just like from initially, I was like, I'm in, I'm ready. I'm ready to see where this movie's going to go. Cause I had no idea where it was going to go. Um, another couple of things that I wrote down is I was like, is Kate, to, uh, so Mary, the little girl, Kate to Luna, are those her real eyes? Because those are the, yeah craziest eyes i think i maybe have ever seen i don't know if you clocked that or not yeah but. no i mean that that big they are they are crazy i i i don't know if they're real or not and i it just looked like she was wearing like colored contacts honestly like i've never seen that color blue slash green um another thing that i just like wrote down and this is kind of like what um i think there's a little bit of chaos in the movie that maybe they needed to rein in a little bit sure um so it opens and says uh, we get that we get the not title card, but like a lower third that says like somewhere in South Africa. But then right after that, they show a sign of like where they're going. So it was, Hemel, like, it was called Hemel on Hop. So why didn't they just say that's where it was? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. It I don't was know. So strange. Um, that that is, I thought. You know, I, I actually I didn't really. I I remember I remember both of those moments, of course, right? And um, I didn't really put them together until you say it now. That doesn't make any sense, does it? Right. I don't know why they did why? that. Um, a, a, another part that I thought was a little strange is when they first go into the house, there's obviously no electricity. And um, <laughs> he hands her a candlestick and she's just like amazed by the candle. And I'm like, has this girl never seen a candle before? Like she literally is like, whoa. It was the 70s, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so the, the thing that I had a hard time with this movie is just like figuring out the family dynamic that was going on. Because they don't really let you know, like you, you have to really be really pay attention to like sure. how people are referring to each other and like the, because so we come up upon the house and the quote unquote father figure. So, uh, William, who you think is, I mean, upon first watch, like when you're going to this movie, you're thinking, okay, so here's the dad, here's the mom and here's their daughter. What you, and then they pull up to this house and he says, okay, so this is my, my father's house who died. And so we're like, okay, we get that. But then we go into the house and we find out later on, she goes into a room and she said, this was my mom's room. And I was yeah. like, wait, I'm sorry, what? And then she calls Sarah, auntie Sarah. And I was like, yeah, okay, wait, well, what? even, like, e e even before that, before they get to the house, they stop off on the side of the road 
And there I did are, not put this part together until right. way later on in the movie. And there, there are two crosses there, and and, and you know it's 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 not super well done when you, when you get right down 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 to the brass tacks. Yeah, but it, it kind of works. So so the the way that this whole sequence goes is stop on the stop on the side of the road before they get to the house. And the girl kneels down, puts some flowers by one of the crosses, and no right. one says anything. And then the right. aunt and the uncle, who you don't know are the aunt and uncle, stand behind. And it is a moment; it does get your brain going. Wait a minute, why is why 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 is she doing this in the first place? Why are there two crosses, not one? And why aren't they putting anything there also? So I kind of started to think, oh, maybe like she's adopted or something. Um, and then, and then once same as you, once I heard auntie, I was like, oh, it's, it's the aunt and the uncle taking care of it because the parents are dead. Got it. Yeah. It just, it took me a little bit to just like figure out what was going on. And I think it, it maybe took me out of like the first 30 minutes of the movie. Cause I was just sure. like, really just trying to figure out what was happening. No, because, was... Hey, also, I just want to interject really quick. Um, sp- speaking about location. So I just looked up where, where it takes place, Hemel and Ard. Uh, and that is South Africans wine region. Actually. Oh, yeah. And I did not realize that. So something to think about. Um, I think uh, I, I thought it was interesting. There was a lot of things that I noticed. Uh, there was a little bit of like a pet cemetery vibe with like his daughter and yeah, like trying to real. bring her back. And she comes back. Not quite right. Love pet cemetery um, vibes. Bring it on. Yeah. And there was also a little bit of Dr. Sleep vibes with the vapor that comes yeah. out of the people that as they're kind of like passing away. Love a Dr. Um, Sleep vibe as well. Put I know, right? Together, <laughs> and then you get this movie. <laughs> no. So like this is what I'm saying. Like I, I do like uh, like a ton about this movie. I will say, and maybe we can talk through it a little bit. I know we're up at about 14 minutes, but um, I, I just have a little bit of a hard time with understanding the end of the movie. Um, and I, I, was there anything else you wanted to talk about the, the actual movie itself before we kind of like get to the explanation of the end? Um, not really. I did think it was funny that she'd said like when they, so she stumbles upon Lazarus in the woods and he's yeah. like over a dead monkey and she goes, is it dead? And I was like, girl, it has maggots and it is ripped open showing <sighs> yeah. it's like it's dead. <laughs> like, I don't know what you need, but yeah, the, 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 the end of the film is odd it's it's and it's it's, it's, okay. it's so i'm gonna walk it it, it it took me out of it for sure yeah and yeah. if i'm being honest i i'm gonna change my grade of this movie now um i i did sort of stop paying attention at that part because i was like where are we where are we going with this this yeah, is so this is not me, what i wanted let me walk you through what i think happens and yeah. maybe you can maybe you can either say you agree or like maybe you had a different take okay so he takes uh, Mary and he drugs her because I guess her soul is the one soul that the witch really wants in the end to yeah. like to atone him for his, uh, his misdeeds, I guess. And that's the only soul that will truly either give him atonement or give him his daughter back or something of, of the like. So he betrays her trust and betrays her promise that they literally pinky swear on right before he yeah, betrays her. Right, sure. uh, um, and then they kind of show up in a, um, not an afterlife, but a kind of like in between. It's like, um, it's, it's, afterlife. It's, it's like a purgatory almost a limbo, but her parents a limbo are, in the mountains, <laughs> but her parents are also there, which is confusing. Yeah. But they, 
but they disappear. And he basically gives her a choice and he says, you can either, you can either die now and go with your parents and be with your parents in the afterlife, or you can go back. And then we cut to the house burning down that also burned Lazarus down because that's like, what is his, like um, what happened to him when his daughter died and there is a moment where you hear from the flames a demonic voice saying, Sarah, Sarah. So is yeah. she now? Okay. So, and then it, it, it tells you that she is pregnant after that. And William looks at her very stupefied, like they haven't had sex in six months or something and says like, how, how are you pregnant? So, and, and, and then at the very end of the movie, she says the kind of like um, soul collector poem that we got at the very beginning of the movie. And then in a in a strange turn of events, she eats the moth, which is yeah. supposed to be uh, what we're what we're led to understand is that the moths kind of represent souls. And so she eats it. So here's here's what I'm thinking. Did Mary decide to come back? but she's coming back as the baby and see now that's what i thought happened and sarah is now the soul collector that now that part i don't i can't answer like it was was just like i did think that it was mary coming back okay okay so i didn't make that up no um this was just really confusing of an ending because we get this like we get this like a very sweet moment with Sarah, like tending to, cause Mary has like a collection of worms that are going to eventually turn into moths. Like that's like sure. her whole shtick as a kid. Every kid has one. It's fine. Um, but, um, <laughs> but then at the end, she like is like playing with the moth. And then at the very, like right before the credits break, she eats the moth and you're like, okay, is she now infected as the soul collector? Girl, I was just a little confused by the end. I, I, I will say that, you know, I, I love to read, as people know now, the letterbox reviews from other users. And a person named KT Simmons said, once all the characters were introduced, I guessed the stupidest ending I could. And that is absolutely the direction the director writer took, <laughs> which is kind of funny. <laughs> and KT gave this one star. Now, Andrew, what did you grade the soul collector? So here at Friday the 13th, we grade on a seven stripe scale for the seven stripes of the gay old rainbow. And I gave the Soul Collector a 4.5. I think it's better than average. Um, I said, this is a great film with some awesome ideas. Unfortunately, it suffers from not telling the audience enough to have a very satisfying ending. I also gave it a four and a half. And I said that it's beautifully filmed, haunting and bold. Uh, It's a great film that sometimes suffers from canned writing, but it's ultimately redeemed by the story. So, folks, that is The Soul Collector, or Eight, a South African horror story. Give us a moment, and we'll be right back with you with our next film, which is Good Madam. Hello. What's it? Is this... Medium, 
au kwa Are you a bad madam or are you a good madam? I hate you Maddie, so much. <laughs> tell us all about good madam. In post-apartheid South Africa, Sidi, a single mother, is forced to move in with her own estranged mother, Mavis, a live-in domestic worker caring obsessively for her catatonic white madam. And as Sidi tries to heal her family, a sinister specter begins to stir. Good Madam was directed by Jenna Cato Bass. It was written by the following people. Here's the list. <laughs> Babalwa Bartman, Jenna Cato Bass, Chumiza Kosa, Chris, uh, Chris Galaba, I believe it would be, or maybe Halaba, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, Kambalethu Jonas Razia, Kanyiso Kenka, Steve Larder, Sizwe Ginger Lubengu, Nosifo Mtebe, uh, Sanda Shandu, Sia Sikawuti, and Peggy Tunyiswa. Uh, Tuny- I got it. Okay, good. My South African tongue is happening here. Um, production that's company- why Maddie did this path. Amen. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> uh, production company was Causeway Films, distributed by Shudder. Go Shudder. Uh, CD was played by Kumisa Kosa. Mavis was played by Nosifu, uh, Nosifo Ntebe. Winnie was played by Kamvaletho Jonas Razia. Stewart was played by Sanda Shandu. Uh, Lutando was played by Kanyiso Kenka. Uh, Sifanathi was played by Sizwe Ginger Lubengu, and Toto was played by Sia Sikawuti. Uh, the film is not rated, it is 92 minutes long, out of South Africa, of course. Released September 27th, 2021. Um, no budget information, but it's a shutter, so that, that would be the reason why. And the locations for this one I also couldn't find, but I'm guessing probably Cape Town is where this was filmed. That, that's just my guess, though. Um, so, Good Madam, this was actually a second watch for me, believe it or not. Um, I watched it uh, not too long after it came out because somebody was talking about it and I was looking at Shudder and it was like new stuff on Shudder and I watched it. Um, it was a lot of fun to watch it again to get like the actual details of it. Um, so, Andrew, this was your first time watching it, yeah? Yeah. What you uh, think? This was great. Uh, it, um, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm trying to like put my thoughts together yeah, really quick, but um, I was kind of like blown away when you were reading the uh, cast. I didn't realize how many of them also helped Wrote write it. the movie. Yeah, exactly. So um, that what, that's why I'm a little bit cut off guard. But um, no, I thought that this was a very interesting movie. I did not expect it to be in uh, whatever native language they're they're speaking. Hosa, Hosa, Hosa is the language. Okay. I was not expecting that. And so like once I settled into that, I was like totally bought in. It just took me like a second to like understand like what was happening because sure. I, I I don't know why I didn't expect um subtitles, but sure. yeah. I should have. <laughs> you know I mean? <laughs> um and so like once I settled into that, I was like really into it. I, I think I like came away from the movie thinking like this is kind of like Parasite meets um, Hereditary in a, in a weird way. I'll, I'll tell you what, Andrew, you got it right there. That's exactly what this is. That is such a good insight. 
And so if you liked either of those movies and you want to see it like a different take on it from a different um, culture, I think that this would be a really good watch for you to, 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 to give a chance. Um, I just was like kind of blown away by like how haunting this movie really was. I mean, I think we get a lot of shutter movies that we have really liked and like really had a good time with. And then like, we get a lot of stinkers too. Like I'm just being honest. Um, And I think that going into this, I didn't really know what to expect. And I kind of came away just a little bit blown away because it's just, it's such an interesting story and the way that they um, bring in even like Egyptian and stuff, I just was like not expecting. And so uh, I came away from this, like really liking this movie. I almost want to watch it again, just so I completely understand. And we can, it's kind of like the last movie. I think maybe because I'm not part of that culture and I was never raised on a lot of these like uh, legends and, and, and folklore and everything. I'm, I'm having a little bit of a hard time wrapping my brain completely around what's happening. Um, but overall, I just thought like the whole movie felt really claustrophobic. It felt really, um, insular because we're like in this house the whole time and i think that we spend so much time with this family yeah and we really don't get to know diane who is the who is the woman who owns the house until like towards the end what a fucking freak um, I really liked it. Uh, Maddie, I, I, I could go on forever. Do you, how about, right. how about I ask what, what you liked about it? Yeah. I mean, look, I, I think it's a wonderful film. I, I think it is, um, it, just right off the bat, the writing is fantastic, I think. Um, and, uh, you know, how many horror films do you watch in Hosa? You know what I mean? And it's, it's, right. you know, the, I should, we should also say that Hosa is also the language that was spoken in, um, the movie we just just watched, The Soul, Soul Collector. Collector. God, yeah. I couldn't remember the name. Partly, partly, yeah, 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 yeah partly. It's it's English as well, of course. Um, but uh, it's 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 amazing to see a film in this, and it's amazing to see something that clearly has a lot of love put into it. And you know, like you said, and like I like like I read, there's 13 writers on this movie for God's sake, crazy, and, and a lot of them were in the movie, and so that tells you one thing right off the bat: this was a collaborative effort, right? People really got together and said, "Let's tell." a really good story and let's make it the best that we can and let's collaborate together to make that happen. I think that's just, that's something really special. Um, in the movie, uh, the, uh, what, what we come to learn, right. Is that Diane's family is, uh, is one that has had many, many, many black servants over the course of their existence, right. Right. In South Africa. And, uh, we come to learn that there is an Egyptian spell and I looked it up, actually. It's called The Field of Reeds. Um, and it was actually, it, this is from the Egyptian Book of the Dead. It's spell 110. Um, and uh, it, it's it's about, like, the lady of the air and this and that, whatever. But I they, love they have when used... movies do this. Oh, totally. I love when they actually take, like, real stuff. Oh. Like, it just it breaks my mind. <laughs> the, the lore the lore is incredible. So what they do is they put this fucking spell on all these fucking black people. And then they have to be their servants in the afterlife. How fucked up? Um, not only just in life, but also in the fucking afterlife. And there's there's this great moment where CD finds the the graveyard behind the house that she's never seen before, and she realizes all of this. And she sees the names of all the black servants that have been there before. And you know, on each one of them, it says you know are, are uh, eternally like devoted for for eternity or something like that. And like she puts two and two together after she discovers a spell, and she's like, "Holy fuck, this is what's going on right now." And the spell that that they say is, I acquire this field of yours, which you love. I eat and carouse in it. I drink and plow in it. 
I reap in it, I copulate in it, I make love in it, I do not perish in it, for my magic is powerful in it. And so if you take that and you apply that just to colonialism in general, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Everything about this movie starts to make a lot of sense. And this movie becomes an allegory for what the Dutch and the English did in South Africa. And it's awful. Like they, they, that is exactly what the English and the Dutch colonists did. They stole people's lives and they stole their lives, not just while they were alive, but even when they were dead. Like even what, you know, when I was talking about the Sharpville massacre, they didn't just fucking shoot the people. They waited for them at the fucking hospital and then arrested them again, even if they were already injured. Like there, there's no end to racism's awful, awful um, calamity. It just goes on and on and on eternally in people's lives. And that's what this movie is about. And I and the way that it tells it, the way that it gets you there, that's, again, why horror is so fucking cool because it gets you to think about how terrible this is. And like, you know, look, I, Andrew, you and I know about apartheid, but let's face it, like, I mean, there are kids who don't even know about the fucking Holocaust right now. Do you right. know what I mean? So like, it would not surprise me that a lot of American teenagers probably have no idea, or American 20, 20 something, 20 somethings, they probably have no idea what apartheid is, truly. And they, they probably don't fucking care. But this is a movie that might help them understand where people have been and where they are now. And that's really fucking cool. Yeah, I think so. There was a couple of things in the movie that um, don't really go places that I thought they would. So there's there's yeah. a part at the very beginning. So CD has to go live with her mother because, and it, correct me if I'm wrong. This is just what I'm tracking in the movie. Yeah. I think that she, her grandma, passed away and yes. left the house to the family. However, CD had a conversation with her grandmother where she said that the house would be hers upon yeah. her death, but it never like got actually like uh, fleshed out throughout the whole family. Right, sure. And so her I think her uncle says that no, your cousin is going to live with you also in this house. Exactly. And for and for some reason she does not like her extended family. It's not quite explained why she doesn't like her extended family but instead of moving in well, with him we, we we learn a little bit from from her partner we're not entirely sure like if they're married or not but i don't think that yeah. they are um we we when he the one of the last times that we see him he's like I've, i'm taking the kid out of here you need to deal with your fucked up family and he and he even says to like i'm done with you and your like your dramatic family or your i forget what he says yeah. exactly but yeah. it's pretty clear that like that that her family is just sort of always in chaos basically yeah that was just like a thing that and so she goes to live with her mother who is a live-in servant of Diane uh, Mavis and there there is a part at the very beginning of the movie where she takes her daughter with her and uh daughter Winnie and she is explaining the rules of the house and she says you can't run you can't touch the fridge always ask grandma first which who is Mavis don't go into the pool alone and never go in Madam's room who mm-hmm. you know who is Diane a lot of those things I thought were going to play more into the movie, but they they don't really, except for like, don't go into Madam's room. Yeah, not like, really. Like the only one. I just thought that that was kind of like, I, I was like, I like started in my notes and I was like, ooh, the rules. Like we're going to work. Something's going to happen with these rules. And like, it just kind of never does, which was interesting. Um, I think like as we learn more about the family and that the uh, the grandmother has died and not even her own daughter goes to the funeral because she's in such servitude to Diane. Um, was a, a like, very like obsessed with Diane. 
Yeah, a very well, and and then we start to like halfway through the movie. I thought there was actually something more nefarious happening with Mavis because not only not only does Mavis like sleepwalk and sleep clean, which God, I wish that my sleepwalking game was sleep cleaning because that would be very huh. <laughs> it would just be awesome if I just woke up to a clean house. Um, but what what she uh, there's it, it alludes to that maybe she's keeping Diane sick so that yeah, yeah fair she enough. like. So almost like she's keeping her captive so that she uh, is paying like uh, for her for her life because Mavis essentially is all the money she's making. She's handing back out to her family and she she feels that uh, a a debt to Diane for kind of like giving her the life that she has or giving her family the life that she has. Yeah, sure. And there is a point where Diane falls out of bed um, and is hurt and then Mavis has a conversation with CD where she says, no, we're not going to call the police. No, we're not going to call a doctor because if this comes to be and her family finds out what kind of shape she's really in, then they'll send her to a home or they'll hire a nurse or, and our family will be out of money or be out of a job. Sure. And so I thought that it was going one way in that way. I thought that it was kind of like a misery situation, like where Mavis was like holding the hostage, Diane, but then the whole fucking movie takes a swift turn yeah. when CD starts to not be able to control her own body. And she starts to, um, when her fucking hand falls off in, yeah. that, in that like hallucination or whatever. But then there's also a point where she slaps Winnie, but it's not her. Like it's her hand is like, um, I, I, don't, I don't know if it's if, if Diane. So, okay, sorry. I'm going on a little bit of a tangent, but no, you're so fine. go Diane. <clears throat> wants her to be this is where I was a little bit confused. So why CD and not Mavis? Mm, maybe CD's younger. So was she trying to take CD to the afterlife with her to be her servant? Or was she trying to become CD? I think she was trying to take her with her to, to, to become her servant in the afterlife, which which would match what happens in, in Egyptian theology. Okay, because I got a little bit confused because um, there's a moment where Stuart, who is her brother, correct? Yes. Okay, so basically Mavis gave Stuart to Diane because it she thought that he would have a better life growing yeah. up within that family other than like growing up in her, I guess, quote unquote, crazy family, right. as we alluded earlier. Um, but he comes back and is kind of the the administrator of the of the uh of the thing of the thing at the end yeah basically yeah and he says there's there's a moment like where you you can barely hear it because it's it's beyond a door where he says we don't need everything we just need her hands right and i was like i was really confused because i was like so why do you need her hands? And then when the ritual goes wrong, Diane essentially gets on top of CD and basically like throws up all over her, which I was like, that that's a lot. And which I, which I was like, is so is she trying to become her that I got, I I'll be totally honest. I did get a little lost in the very end of like the ritual and everything. I was just trying to figure out like what was actually happening. But I, I mean, overall I thought it was like so well done that I didn't really care at the end of the day because yeah, at, 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 at the very end, we do get like this very satisfying ending where Diane is put in the servants quarters and Mavis gets to bring all of her family photos and put those out and finally gets to like live 
the life that she she wants and the life that she deserves sure. all while still kind of <laughs> like holding a ruse over Diane's family because at that point Stuart was stabbed and she's talking to I forget the two brothers that are in Australia but she's talking to them and she's saying like yeah everything's great everything's fine like Diane's doing great <laughs> and it's just like yes you go you go girl because and, you and, deserve and, this and meanwhile she put Diane in her old bed which I thought was yeah, great in, the servant, I, in that servant's quarters and I loved watching that camera pan back as Diane's just sitting in that servant's quarters room oh my god perfect so good yeah um another thing that i clocked is i was like diane has horrible taste in tile um because all, <laughs> those, t- all those tiles are so gross now and I, I will say disgusting. i will say one thing that i do love is that long hallway with the vista where the sculptures are and yeah um, that the sculptures with with like that little lighting um effect yeah on yeah, it. yeah yeah i like that's like that's like a rich person house do you know what i mean like oh like, no the house is beautiful like only, let's only, be honest here but like, do you know like 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 only rich people have like a, a lighted shelf for sculpture do you know what i mean well only rich people collect uh bells yeah <laughs> right right that too um but i was like oh, i want one of those one day you know what i mean I thought it, I did think it was also like another like small thing that they I don't even know if they were trying to do this or not. But it is interesting that Diane's room is the only one that's elevated in the house. Like, oh, that's she's interesting. The, like nice she's catch. the only one that's like up on top. She's the only everyone one on top. Else. Yeah. Um, I did think it was funny. There is like the trope of like scary children's uh, drawings. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's all. And I, I did find that one part to be specifically pretty funny is where CD um uh winnie draws a picture of their family so it's like mavis her and um and and cd and then like she comes back later and there's like a looming diane over top of all of them in the picture now and she was like i'm sorry but do you think diane is your family and when he was like no 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 i just i just drew it and you're like but i just thought it was very interesting wow of like the the push and pull between mavis and cd about like the servitude and like what they owe Diane and her family. Um, And I did think it was interesting that there's no father figure ever even mentioned. Like there's no mention of Diane's husband or a picture of him. Like we get the impression that they have like a, a pseudo big family because there's obviously two, at least two more brothers and Stuart. Um, But there's really no mention of the father. And so I was like, what's going on there? And what did Diane do to him? (laughs) Because she's a crazy witch, but um but yeah i i this movie's incredible um it's incredible even even from like the little segments with the dog that is dead and yeah. you're and he keeps like appearing like and he's and, and it's he's creepy as fuck like, and he's obviously trying to tell cd something and i was like girl have you ever watched an episode of lassie the dog is always trying to tell you something <laughs> just follow it um it's a beautiful dog um i just listen we all love a beautiful dog don't we, we? do um but yeah, I think like overall, like I anything that I didn't quite understand in the movie, I kind of just chalked up to my not understanding of the like overall culture. Because like at the end of the day, I thought the movie was like kind of insanely incredible because I was not expecting anything where Agreed. this movie goes. Um what did you um what did you grade it? Yeah, so out of seven stripes, I think I'm gonna come up a little bit. Well, yeah, I am. I'm going to give it a six. I thought it was really good. I said it was truly haunting. I couldn't take my eyes off the screen. And I was guessing where it was, what was happening the entire time. And I just kind of need to know more. I did the same thing as you. I brought it up from five and a half to a six. And I said, Jesus fucking Christ, what a movie. And a harrowing excision of servitude in the modern age. 
Um, yeah, go go. If you have not seen this, you sh- you should go watch it. It's it's, it's on a Shutter. Really go watch incredible it. <laughs> fucking movie. Now, folks, that is our last film of the episode. Give us a moment, and we'll be right back with our final game, which is South African slang. What does it mean? Government must do more to restore the dignity of our people. As the adage says, you give a poor man a fish and you feed him for a day. You teach him to, f- to fish. You give him, you give him, and an, 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 an. So, folks, it is the end of our episode, but as always, we have a final game for you. And Andrew's made this one. Andrew, tell us all about it. So, yeah, I have four phrases in front of me that I have never heard of. And so I'm guessing you've never heard of them. Mm. And they are all come from South African slang. Now, these could be yeah. African slang in general. I just I literally looked up South African slang. So I'm guessing that they come at least like originated okay. out of South sure. Africa. Um, so I'm going to give you the word and then I'm going to try to put it in context just to give you like a little bit of a clue. Because okay. obviously you don't speak this language and so you wouldn't have no yeah, idea sure. what it is. Um, so the first one is lekker l-e-k-k-e-r um so if you were to put this in context you would say tasty almost because the what i was going to say is the food was lekker um or we had a lekker day um it's got to mean like great basically yeah that's exactly right it means like great or nice um the next one is yebo do you have any context for that, Drew? Do we need to give you a little bit Ye-bo. of a clue? Yebo. Give me, give me context. So you would say Yebo if you are, maybe it's like Yebo if you were saying, um, if somebody asked you, are you coming out tonight? I, oh, so it's got to mean like, of course I am. Yeah, it means like, it literally means like, yes. Okay, but it's gotcha, kind of like, okay. I think it stems from like, yeah, boy. You know what I mean? Like that makes that, sense. That sure. kind of a thing. Um, the next one is Bri or B-R-A-A-I. Um, this is a little bit of a hard one, um, cause I don't think you would ever, but like, let's say, mm. let's say for dinner, we're having some food made on the braai. Oh, so like, like, like the grill? Yeah. For it's a barbecue specific. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Okay. Got it. Okay. Um, and it's only a barbecue that's cooked over wood or coals, never propane. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, and then the next one is robot. <laughs> Robots? Yeah. Um, I mean, does it mean just like boring person kind of thing? So um, let me put it in context for you. Uh, yeah, the restaurant is uh, two robots two robots down on the left. Oh, so it must be in block. It is actually street light or traffic light. Oh, I see. Okay. Oh, well, you know what? That actually makes sense. Yeah. So they call them robots there. I kind of love that, actually. That, that's kind of I do, amazing. too. It's much better than traffic light or stop light or whatever. Um, but yeah, so those were con- some interesting slang that's words fun. that I found. I thought they were really fun. I love hearing different slang in different languages in different areas of the world that what they call things is just mind-blowing to me at how that. language carries and how language evolves. But that Thanks. does it. Thanks for, for bringing that, Andrew. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> um, that does it for episode 93. We have a couple of things to kind of call out. Um, a big thanks to everyone that joined us on the five-year Zoom anniversary call. Yeah. Um, really fun. We got together with about like 10 people, and it was like just manageable enough. And yeah. everyone had a great time. And I, I'm just very thankful that we have people that would actually even want to do that in the age of 2023. Yeah, agreed. Zoom call with us. Agreed. So. <laughs> 
Um, but we are a part of the Dread Podcast Network. You can support us by going to frygate13.com slash support where you can become a patron on Patreon or buy merch if you would like. Um, no need to give us any money if you don't want to. But if you think this is a good show and you think it deserves a buck or two, maybe go and see that on frygate13.com slash support. Uh, and we have a new patron, we might say, too. Uh, Alicia Nolan, thank you so much for being with us in our Patreon. And um, a big thank you to everyone who entered the contest. And we have some winners to announce, Andrew. I'll do the first round here. So the folks that won a T-shirt and a Blu-ray from Dread are Simon Exton, David Glauner, Kelly Jordan, Erica Zuyevich, uh, and Kill the Brain. And the guy who won the Dread prize pack is none other than our, our loyal listener and great author, Isaac Thorne. And the terrifying terrifier doll was won by Kate Miles. Congratulations, Kate. May it keep you up at night. Um, and also, folks, too, one more thing to mention is, uh, look, if, if, you, uh, if you don't want to uh, be a patron or whatever, that's totally fine. But if you can help us by leaving a review for us, that would be very, very helpful. As Monumental, you, probably, you would as, say. Yeah. As you probably know, most people find out about, most people decide to listen to a podcast because of the reviews. So the more positive reviews that we have, obviously, the more people that will listen and the more people that can join our crazy little community. Um, so if you haven't left one yet, please do. And also, if you haven't done this yet today, we encourage you to get, get slayed. Thank you for listening to the Dread Podcast Network.